Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Bethany Warren, and you are joining me to listen to the podcast of our Millwall fan show with the No One Likes Us Talking team, which is available every Friday at 8pm. It's Friday. I'm your host, James Kelly, and I have the No One Likes Us Talking team of Stan Godwin, Dave Hart and Gary Staff. Not everybody likes them, but they don't care. Stan, you've been busy on social media this week. What were the big issues for you? Well, the big issues, well, it would appear so far is, uh, well, the first one that's cropped up is the question of the uh, five subs. It would appear that in the, 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 the next season that the five subs might become a permanent addition to uh, football from next season. That's one. On a, on a, and then there's the other issue that's cropped up a, a lot is the question of the Millwall Community Trust and what they've been up to, uh, which is always very interesting to hear. And, you know, and then the rest of it's really been, they were talking about the way we were playing recently and, you know, and hopefully we're going to have a good end to the season. And, and that's really been the sort of general thrust of it. Uh, Dave, great to have you back. How are the continuing challenges of our circumstances affecting you and yours? Uh, we're, we're managing, we're keeping ourselves uh, safe and well. Um, watching, being able to watch the games on iFollow is a, when we can get it, mind you, um, is a great uh, bonus for us. And um, we actually went out and had pie and mash, actually, but for the first time we've been out, actually to go somewhere to, to eat out. So it was really good to get out and about. And Gary, how are you busy back in the harness of work? I am. Uh, as I said, um, I'm back in. Um, this Today we had all our staff back in, so it was lovely to see all my colleagues again, all six of us. We even had a bit of lunch over the road. Um, but it was nice. I've been coming back in on and off for the last month. Um, I, I can get in Monday, Wednesday and Friday, but I can pick and choose now. I can come in um, on a Monday if I want to, but I've got there to my allocated days because we're trying to uh, stretch things out a bit, really. But um, it's been a good week with two Millwall victories and hopefully another one on Saturday. Four Millwall with Ferguson, who hurt Hull in the FA Cup last season. Fizzing strike! Absolutely outrageous! It's a magnificent effort from Millwall. 80 seconds gone. They lead by a goal to nil. And there was absolutely nothing Hull City could do about that. You know, it just gets played inside. It's Ryan Leonard, I think it is. Great celebrations as the Lions won away by a single goal with Ryan Leonard. That must be in the reckoning for goal of the season. We weathered the storm in the second half and some fantastic work by the defence and in particular Bilkowski ensured the points returned to SE16. Tuesday's game against Blackburn saw some of the best attacking football in a Millwall side 
that we've produced all season. And we went ahead as Mason Bennett picked up a rebound in the area and coolly struck the ball into the net. Uh, and the Crowdies could be seen with that move with elation. <laughs> the second... The second, the second half was a bit like Carl Bates described, our second half at Hull, and being as being with the Custer felt like uh, at the Alamo. Albeit Custer was at the, big, the little big horn, but it made some sense as our defence stood firm and the crowd stuck, sucked the air and with a final strike that edged wide of the target. Another clean sheet for Bill Kowski. What did you think, guys? Hull away, great. Yeah, Ryan Leonard's one strike. Yes, we, we bossed the first half, that's for sure. We, we were in control right from the off. But as you say, the second half was more even, maybe Hull gaining the initiative. And they could have <coughs> gone with that last-minute effort of correcting, give us all heart failure. So it was, a, it was a hard-worked win, and I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, well... Ryan Leonard's goal, I mean, it would it would have to be a contender for goal of the season. I mean, in actual fact, I'd be interested to know when we had a player that actually took a shot from outside the area and actually scored. I mean, I can't. I mean, most of our goals when we come from within the area or from set pieces. Uh, but no, it was it was a real quality goal. The only and 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 as you say, when we played the other night against. Uh, who was it, uh, Blackburn? I mean, in the first half, I mean, the, the football was scintillating. And I mean, I have to say, you know, uh, if 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 we'd have been playing that well, we would. If if New Harris had still been in charge, we wouldn't be playing that sort of football. I mean, that is that is as plain as the nose on your face. Uh, when we was playing Hull, what what concerned me slightly. We had a good first half, but when the second half come, I mean, and, and okay, you know Hull was going to step it up for obvious reasons. Uh, sometimes we, we we was a bit too quick to lump the ball out when perhaps if we try to, if we'd have put our, our thinking caps on, uh, rather than just keep lumping it out and then it coming back again, we sort of got it out and then sort of played in there half. And I mean, I have to say, when Matt Smith come on, Admittedly, towards the end, uh, that's not his fault. But the moment he came on, when he was getting the ball, what was he doing? He was taking it directly into the corners, and that's what—that's the sort of thing we ought to be doing. We ought to be, you know, from about sort of eighty minutes on, we should have been trying to kill the game, not just keep giving them opportunities. Um, I agree. Everything what Stan's saying there, and Dave are saying, it's just we get ourselves ahead at the moment. And I want to say, sorry, if Wiggins scores seven past Hull. Was it seven in the first half or six in the first half? Seven, seven in the first. Yeah. I, it just makes me beg a difference. Like you say, we had our first shot from outside the area. I was actually, when you said that, I was actually trying to think if we'd scored in the outside the area this season. We don't. We don't score. Dangerous. Romeo. Thompson. Millwall quick on the break as well. And Williams has got room on his favourite left boot. And he hammers it home. And Millwall against a run of play take the lead after an hour. We mainly free kicks, headers, Matt Smith at the far post. So it is frustrating. We do need a striker um, desperately for next season, uh, especially if we go up. God. Um, but I don't think I could handle another one deal, like Paul said in, on the uh, previous conversation. It would scare the life out of me. And if we were going to do it, I'd want it to be later in the game rather than having to hold on again. 
Because like Stan was saying, we in the first half against Blackburn, we're going to get onto them in a minute. We, my actual dad, and I'll, actually no, I'll say I'll say what I'm going to say on the Blackburn comment in a minute. But it was, it was unbelievable. We we were a different team against Blackburn, but I think we are building some momentum. A little bit scary, and I hope Mister um, Warnock does us a massive favour at the weekend to get his one point to keep them up. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. And moving on to Blackburn, how did you feel that that result went, Gary? Um, yeah, that's the point I was going to go on to make. Um, yeah. My dad at the time, he said, has uh, Mr. Rowett gone out uh, this morning and bought uh, 11 new players and uh, put the same players' names on their back? Because he'd never seen us. I've never seen us play that fluid football. You're saying about Neil Harris, he's doing what we were doing just different players up at Cardiff and heaven forbid he keeps us out of that uh, stick spot but it's wor- it works it worked with our players maybe our players got bored of playing like that and and Cardiff playing in a new formation new way of style it's working for them but at the moment we needed a change of style we are still playing long balls of course we're still playing high balls into the box for Matt Smith uh, I personally pref- uh, prefer us playing a 4-4-2 I don't know why I'm a business and I think Bradshaw and Smith could work well together. But we have got a lot of midfielders that he's trying to accommodate. I mean, that's what he's doing with the likes of uh, Bennett, um, Wallace, Thompson, um, to name a few. So maybe because we've got so many midfielders and a severe lack of goal-scoring forwards at the moment, we are trying to accommodate everyone. Uh, Dave? Well, Tony Mowbray's always got a very organised football team, but... In the first half in the week on Tuesday, we literally had the game by the scruff of the neck and it was a great finish by Mason Bennett. He he scored in a similar way that Cooper (coughs) did against uh, Charlton up the road. So, yeah, it was um, a really great performance first half. We seemed to tail off second half. We need to be on it all game if we could. I mean, that's perfection if we could do it. So I'd rather have a 2-0 lead going into the last 10 minutes rather than one. And last but by no means least, Stan. Well, yeah, I mean, let me just say this, right? I mean, what concerns me somewhat is we we, we seem to be getting into this business about, you know, uh, well, can Walnock do us a favour and whatever. Well, if he does that, that's fine, but... What we got, what we what we mustn't lose track of, we, we we can only do what we can control, and we've got two games left, and we've got to win them games, right? Because if we don't win them, right, then the chances, then I think as any chance that a playoffs is gone. So we have to win our games first and foremost. Now coming on to Blackburn, uh, when we played them, I mean, if we'd have put our chances away in the first half. We could have been two or three up at half time. The football was that good, and you, and you know, with someone like Tony Mowbray, right? He's that. I mean, I, I was surprised in a way in the first half. We had so much control of the game, but then I'm thinking to myself, as we're getting near half time, you know, when the second half comes, this is going to be a different game then because he's then going to come out, which he then did, and. Uh, 
you know, and, and we rode our luck, but, you know, but what I'm saying is, is that sometimes we, we, we put ourselves under this pressure. You know, we were giving the ball away, and I know I keep banging on about this, and I know I sound like a stuck record, but if you've got the ball, the opposition ain't doing, they can't hurt you. Right, and and we keep giving it away, and if we keep control of the football in them scenarios, then we're there. That's my view. But we must win the last two games, and then what will be will be. Those last two wins are definitely a must for Millwall. So we'll be previewing the game against QPR at the end of the show. Tonight we welcome a Bury St Edwards-born former Millwall midfielder who started his footballing career at Ipswich Town as a youth, where he scored the winning goal in the 2005 FA Youth Cup final against Southampton and was capped at England under-17 and under-19 levels. First-team football with the Tractor Boys did not feature as a long-term prospect. He then joined Yeovil Town in 2010, where he made 147 appearances and scored 16 goals. In January 2014, he joined the Lions for an undisclosed fee on a two-and-a-half-year contract, making 77 appearances for us. He then joined MK Dons after our ill-fated player final of 2016 and is currently plying his trade at Bristol Rovers, with whom he joined in 2018. Welcome, Ed Upson. Hi, guys. Cheers for having me on. Thank you very much Hi, for joining us. Hi, chaps. Hi, Ed. All right, Ed. <laughs> yeah, good cheers. Ed, how has ending your season in mid-March been for you and your family? Yeah, it was... Um... It's, it's been um, it's been nice to, to spend more time with the little one. Uh, she's two now, and and um, been able to sort of you know watch her learn a lot of new stuff rather than coming home and my missus telling me what's happened. Um, so it's been nice to, to see that. Um, like I said, when um, when we first came uh, came away from football in in March, we we had dates to go back in April, and we thought we were going to be back in a couple of weeks later, but obviously it didn't didn't transpire that way, and, and the season ended up getting cancelled. And, and just the playoff teams playing, but um, to be honest, I've, I've quite enjoyed quite enjoyed the time, and uh, yeah, it's just been different. It's been interesting. Stan, I believe you have a question for Ed. Yeah, Ed. Uh, right, okay. Was it that go- was it that goal that you scored at the Den for Yeovil Town to record their first win in the Championship that put you on our radar, or did joining the Lions come about? In a completely different way. Yeah, so um, I think I think it helped a lot um, that that goal and that game and, and that start of the season that I had in the championship with with Yeovil. But um, there was interest before um, before that and in the season before from Mick Harford and uh, Carl Robinson down at MK Dons, and then obviously Mick uh, took up a job at, at Millwall the, the following season and and um, kept that interest, and, and that was how it came about, really. So it was a bit of both, I suppose. Ed, I noticed that um, you joined us for an undisclosed fee. Um, that's the first part of the question. Tell me a bit about what undisclosed means, and did you actually know what you went for? And uh, during the first half season with the Lions, we managed to stave off relegation by uh, a few points with the newly appointed Ian Holloway. Was it a daunting task heading to those end of season, or had uh, Ian, with his... Uh, famous hat and coat etc brought us a bit of stability into the side <laughs> um, he, he did he did to be fair to him that that first uh, that first uh, season or, or the half of that season and um, we got some good results towards the end of that and, and it ended up keeping us up um, we were playing some some good football as well to be fair um, 
yeah, going going back to the um, to the other question about the undisclosed fee, like I said, you do see that a lot, and and in my case, I, I didn't even know how much they paid for me. Um, I didn't ask. I probably could have asked, but I, I wasn't even interested. I was just happy to to be a Millwall player at the time and was happy to to get going at a new club and and um, one that I'd respected. Ed, ahead of the uh, 2014-15 season, what was the feeling amongst the players and the management going into that season? Well, we we had a good end to um, the previous season where we stayed up, obviously, and and um, we were playing some nice stuff. Holloway wanted to to play football, and um, we, we were doing that and getting results by that, and. And uh, everyone thought, you know, we'll just carry this on in, into the new season, and it didn't. It didn't pan out that way. You know, it was a bit of um, a start season, and it just just never really took off the way that I think we all thought it had the potential to in pre-season because we had a good pre-season, and and um, it just never never panned out that way. Still talking about that season, Ed. Um, you had quite a few players um, in the back four that season: Beavers, Webster, Hoveld, Dunn, even Sid Nelson, who I think. Um, Ian made captain. Um, do you think mm. it was Ian messing things around? Do you think it was the just I don't know his stature as a manager just didn't work for us. He tried to change too much, and when Neil came in, did it just sort of bit a bit, bit more familiar, familiarity in the side? I think um, uh, Holloway he liked to chop and change in and um, you know styles and players. Um, and sometimes that that works, and sometimes it doesn't. And it worked the season, um, the season before where we stayed up, and it and it stopped working. The season that we went down, and Neil, um, he, he's a bit more sort of straightforward, and you know, four four two, same players really in the same positions, and and obviously that worked the season after. But going back to the the tinkering, there was a um, a time in season four where we played not so away. Um, and in the in, on the Friday where we were preparing for the game, the starting eleven had a little um, game against the, the subs, and the subs beat the starting eleven six seven nil. And the bus on the way up to Nottingham Forest, um, Holloway was saying, you know, this is this, is, this isn't right. I'm going to have to change something. I'm going to have to might change a few of you. Um, and on a Saturday morning before the game, um, we had a meeting, and he changed eight or nine <laughs> of the players and. And um, the lads that weren't playing were now in, and that was really that was the start of our run that kept us up that season, where we beat Notts Forest away 2-1, um, and then the game after that, that on the Tuesday we played Wigan away um, when they were they were pretty good, and beat them 1-0, and that was the start of things. So sometimes the, t- the tinkering works, and, and sometimes it doesn't, and it just didn't didn't seem to work the next season. Just a question there, Ed, before I let someone else have a go. And obviously, it's a great pleasure to play at Millwall. But what's it like to play at places like Forest and big grounds like that? Yeah, I mean the atmosphere was was unbelievable. But then I always felt like the atmosphere at Millwall was was one of the best in the Championship, um, especially when it's going well. <laughs> it's not so it's not so enjoyable when you're not going well. But um, yeah, there was some, obviously some massive teams in that league, and and. Um, a lot of the games were, were really exciting. Um, I always enjoyed playing at home because I always felt like that, that was probably the best atmosphere that you could have. Like I said, as long as you were playing well and winning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, exactly. yeah it, was, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Ed, looking back to Neil's first season in charge, uh, where you played either left or centre centra- midfield, 
What when did what when did you think that a playoff final was on the cards? Yeah, well, obviously our aim that season, having having been relegated previously, was to go was to bounce straight back up, and and the manner of that didn't really matter. But obviously we were aiming for automatics, um, and we certainly had a good good squad of lads and a good group of players to to achieve that. But we we ended up getting into the playoffs um, quite comfortably in the end, and and. Um, Obviously, sort of sailed through the semi-finals, and then it was just a, a wonder strike, really, at Wembley that sort of seen us off there. And I think if that hadn't gone in on the day, it'd have been a different story because the whole season we sort of felt like we were gonna we were gonna get promoted, and there was never really any big massive low points or really big massive highs. It was just a consistent season of picking up points, and just felt like we'd carry that on into take us back to the championship. Obviously, never worked out that way. Yeah, that that season we finished fourth. And uh, you featured in our final league game against Gillingham. What was the feeling ahead of the playoffs? And do you have any memories of the games against Bradford and Barnsley? Um, I know the, the feeling was obviously positive because we all felt like we were we were certainly good enough to to win all the games that we had ahead of us. Um, and yeah, I don't don't really have any any particular standout memories from those from those games. It was just a, just feelings that we were, we would win, and it was a bit of a shell shock, I think, when that goal went in at Wembley. But you know, these things happen in football, and, and it wasn't to be. And obviously, the boys went up next season. Yeah. So Ed, obviously, promotion wasn't meant to be, and after the loss against Barnsley in that Wembley playoff final, you headed over to Milton Keynes Dons after some topsy turvy seasons. Uh, how do you remember your stay at the Den, and do you still follow the Lions' results? Yeah, I follow, I follow them constantly. You know, every game I, I check their scores. I always, all my old teams always check their scores first, and still got a lot of love for the club and a lot of respect for them. And I was, I was proud to be a, a Millwall player. And I, I think when I finished, I look back and and be be very proud of that. Um, and yeah, it was it was, a, it was an honour and a pleasure. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time there. It's great stuff. Well, it's been it's been great to catch up with Ed. With you, Ed, some uh, great memories shared, and all the best with Bristol Rovers for next season. Uh, but before you go, do you have a prediction ahead of Mill's game against QPR this Saturday? I'm going to go two 0 Mill. I can see them sneaking in the playoffs this year. I see it. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Well, thanks very much again, Ed, and all the best. All right. Thanks very much, chaps. Thanks, Ed. Cheers, Ed. Yeah, cheers, Ed. Cheers, no worries. Ed Ups in there. So we're going to take a break now and we'll be back with the Mill Top 20 goalscorers of the century after we hear the lovely voice as Ted Robinson thought it was his, but it was and is Bethany Warren, according to our guest last week. Sorry, Ted. <laughs> Bethany Warren here again. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget, Love Sport Radio is now mothballed pending change in current conditions. You can still listen, though, to music both online and on DAB. Podcasts are available on demand. Hopefully, we'll be back on the air with them when normality returns to the marketplace. I'm James Kelly, and I'm back with the No One Likes Us talking team of Stan, Dave, and Gary. 
to review another one of Millwall's top 20 goal scorers of this century, as produced by Bringing Stats Alive Football, who you can find on Facebook and who produce fantastic visualisations of statistics. This week, we have the last of two players on the 18 league goals and sitting in joint 13th position, we discuss James Henry. So, chaps, what do we think? Was James Henry a goal hanger, a good goal scorer or a great goal scorer? Dave, let's start with you. James Henry, well, it reminded me when I watched him in the week playing for Oxford of how good he was on the ball. He was very exciting to watch, very dangerous when he crossed the ball in and he could score some really good goals and did, on particular times, score absolutely great goals. So I would say, for me personally, James Henry was a good goal scorer. Lovely stuff. Gary, what do you think? Um, James Henry, flattered to deceive sometimes, didn't he? Brilliant player, like uh, Dave was saying. Really, really, really good on the ball. Uh, match winner on his day. But also, just like on, uh, when was it, Monday night, so frustrating sometimes. There was an opportunity on Monday night where he just should have just put his foot for it and took everyone in its path with him. He crossed it and I think it was Taylor or whatever missed missed it on the far post. That's what was the problem with James Henry. Great player. Loved having him in the side. Exciting. Sort of like a poor man's Jed Wallace in a weird way of saying it because he could he could really set a light to a game. But on, on the flip side... He would just be so frustrating sometimes. Stan, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, to start <laughs> off with, he, he, he certainly weren't a goal hanger, right? I, I accept the point that Gary makes. At times, he could be a very frustrating player, and I think that seems to be the case because, to be fair to James Henry, he wasn't a midfield player, was he? He was an out-and-out winger, and sometimes mm. it's a bit like Conor Honey, you know, the out-and-out wingers they can be frustrating. Uh, now he was a good player he scored some good goals and he also scored some great goals and uh, you know I mean and I remember one particular game he played in down at Millwall when we were kicking into the cold low lane end and it was sort of late into the second half and he's coming down the right hand side and then he suddenly cuts in and he starts to go, and I'm thinking, so, and I said to my grandson, where's he going? And as I've said that, all of a sudden, he's unleashed his shot. And the goalkeeper, I mean, he just didn't smell it. I mean, he went straight in the top corner. I mean, it was an outstanding goal. I mean, I would have argued that that particular goal was probably a contender for goal of the season if we were doing a competition. But no, he was frustrating. I would say probably, because he scored some good goals, but I would say most of his goals and what I see were great ones. So I would say on that basis, I'd make him a great goal scorer. It's good to hear. That's all I'm going to say. He's a good goal scorer. He wasn't great. It wasn't a goal hanger. A good goal scorer for me. I would say he was a... Well, he could score a great goal, as we've all agreed. So I would mm. say he's definitely a, a good goal scorer. And only say a great goal scorer. Lovely stuff. The Mill Community Trust launched its first ever LGBTQI plus friendly football team in June, working in partnership with London Romans FC. 
The team will compete in the LGBTQI National League from September 2020 and play their matches at St Paul's Sports Ground under the new name of Mill Romans FC. First up, we will hear from the No One Likes Us Talking Eamon, talking with the Trust CEO, Sean Daly. I've caught up with Sean Daly, the Chief Executive of the Mill Community Trust, ahead of welcoming the Millwall Romans FC player manager, Paul Loading, on the show tonight. Sean, how did the initiative to bring an LGBTQI plus side into the Millwall family happen? Uh, Eamon, thanks very much for um, meeting up with us. Um, it's, it's always been my view ever since I've uh, come to the Trust is that um, we look at our community um, that's what a community trust is about, a football club, about serving the community. And London is such a very diverse cultural area and it's changing all the time. Um, we've got a great platform here at the club and the trust where we're about giving people an opportunity to receive their potential in sport, education, employment. Um, and I, I want to be able to, at the trust to say, well, what is our community like? What is our boroughs like? They're very diverse. So can we now have an opportunity to engage young females into sport and into education, into coaching roles and pathways into employment? And the next part is um, how do we develop an LGBT team? Because that is what our community is like at the moment. Um, so I set about um, working with the London FA and, and looking about how we can support... Uh, young people getting into sport and adults into sport. And it was really through the, the FA and I said, you know, we want to set an LGBT year up at Millwall. Um, what would be a great avenue to start it? And there's lots of LGB teams running at the moment, but they don't have support. So we literally worked with the London FA. They introduced us to the London Romans, to Paul. Um, very much from the early meetings, we could see that they have a philosophy around community work and developing opportunities. So it fitted quite nicely with the ethos of the club and the community trust. So it was a, quite a natural fit for us. Um, and it just now supports the work we're doing with the, the Lionesses, the Girls Academy, our disability football teams, our Down Syndrome teams. And it, it just seemed a natural pathway mm-hmm. for our diversity and strategy development of the club and the trust. Yes, fantastic. Even even looking after those of us that need to do walking football as well, Sean. Yeah, I think I think what you do is is fantastic. And um... this happened with the COVID nineteen situation is that um, the impact and the platform the football club has via the trust is very important to the community. Um, and I mean, I had a chat with Steve Kevin the other day about the stuff we've done during this situation, the club has done using the trust. It's been unbelievable. Um, and now we're coming back to normality. How do we develop the trust further and serve the needs of our community? And I think this is this is a big step for the club and the trust. And it's been received very well by the fans, by governing bodies at the FA, by, by different people. Um, Sky TV have got hold of us to, to do a piece on it as well. So right. it's been very well received by the fans and everybody else. Yeah. Well, job well done. And uh, let's hope we can see the Millwall Romans FC achieve, as they have been achieving already, but even making bigger goals and greater impact in the wider community. 
Thanks, Sean, very much. Thank you. So Sean is clearly delighted to have got the partnership in place and joining us in the virtual studio is Paul Loading, the new player manager of the Real Romans FC, who were formed under the London Romans in 2006. They've played in the London Unity League, which has gone from strength to strength in recent years, with the standing increasing dramatically. All teams are very social and are encouraged to plan social events after football matches. They also enter the Gay Football Supporters <coughs> Network Cup, which involves them travelling around the country and playing other LGBTQI teams. They won this cup in the 2016-17 season, and I also believe a cup final is to follow on their return to football. <coughs> Welcome, Paul. It's great to have you on with, with us tonight. Um, how have the challenges of COVID-19 affected you personally? Hi, uh, James. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think it's been quite quite difficult for everybody, to be honest. I think um, I've, I've never been one to, to work at home, but uh, I've been working home since March. I've gone back into the office probably about six weeks now. Um, but I'm I'm quite lucky in a way that I have been working through through the whole the whole thing. Um, and, and as a team, we've just been keeping up to date with everybody with uh, quizzes that we've been doing on Zoom. Um, we've got WhatsApp groups. <laughs> that we, we all stay in contact with each other just to make sure everything's okay. But it seems to be getting back to some sort of normality now. Stan, I believe you have a question. Yeah. Tell us how this uh, initiative with the Millwall Community Trust came about. Oh, hi, Stan. Um, yeah, we, we were contacted by Sean back in January, I think it was, um, to, he, he came through everything with us and said, <coughs> come down and have a, have a chat with us, have a meeting. Um, so we went down to to meet the community, and and as soon as we met Sean and, and what what the trust were doing, um, we, we were just in awe with them. It was it's, it's great what they do for the community. It, it really fits in what what we have tried to do as well, um, and and just with the diversity that, that that the trust seemed to set up with the Sean went through obviously the lionesses that have been launched etc. And and we absolutely jumped at the chance to be honest. Paul, Dave here. You are the player manager of Millwall Romans. Lions and Romans have some synergy fueled by history. But what is the recent playing heritage of your club being? Yeah, so we, we formed back in uh, 2006 uh, as an LGBT friendly team. We're not exclusively LGBT friendly, uh, uh, an LGBT team. We, we do accept anybody from any background. Um, I joined in 2011, predominantly from a straight team, um, and I took over as general manager about three years ago. And we've always had this strapline of, of football for all. Um, and, and for us, it was always about creating a safe space for LGBT footballers, um, not just necessarily on the football side. We've got players that come over that like to train with us and not necessarily play competitive matches. We've got players that like the social side of things, like watching football. We're always doing something social at the weekends. We play a lot of, obviously, around games that are on the TV, etc. Um, so the football itself is, is competitive, but it's also about getting players involved um, and creating that, that sort of safe space for them. Good stuff. Paul, what are the hopes and aspirations of you and your teammates when football for you does return to some form of formality under the Mill brand? Well, it's, it's, it's really exciting. We had our first training session uh, last night at St Paul's. Um, we've had a, 
we've had a really good a really good season to be honest. We we won the LUL this year back in uh, back in March. The results went our way. We still are hoping to play the GFSN Cup final, hopefully September October time. And I think for for us it's to hopefully continue that success, but also reach out to a, a, a wider community. Um, I think with the partnership, it adds a, a good visibility for us to, to, to reach out to players all over, even even coming on here and speaking to you guys, we're reaching players that may not realise that we exist uh, and there are LGBT-friendly teams out there. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's perfectly normal and it's fine. And you're, you're not alone as a player. Um, and it just creates that comfortable and safe space for the players. Keep up the great work. It was the first thing there. And uh, I might come down and have a play with you. Um, Absolutely. It's a sick on a Millwall shirt to play for the team somehow. <laughs> <laughs> In a week where an anonymous uh, Premier League uh, player talked about fear of disclosing that he was different, how do you see the Millwall Romans featuring in helping people from all parts of society to be accepting of people who are not from the LGBTQI plus community, but all backgrounds? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, obviously that's that's been big news this week, um, and I think for for LGBT people, I think it's I, I think it's a personal journey, and I don't think it's necessarily up to us to force any players to come out if they don't feel comfortable, if they do feel pressure. Um, but it's it's about providing again that that sort of uh, that visibility and that platform to say that you're you're not you're not alone, and it's. It's almost, and I don't particularly like this phrase, but it's almost normalising it. Um, and just, we're just a team that, like playing football, uh, it's, there's a big stigma attached to LGBT football of it being quite, uh, maybe a bit feminine, it's a bit, it's a bit fancy, and it's just not like that at all. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just guys that go out to play football, and, and it, there happens, it, it, they happen to be LGBT. And I think... That, that stereotype is probably stopping players from coming out and just being themselves. Um, but I think by by having, I say this, and I say I don't like it, but this normal normalisation of it, um, it just creates that 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 platform. And and by seeing what what we're doing and, and what the, what Sean's allowed us to do, um, hopefully it will it will lead to a bit more. Uh, uh, of a player actually feeling more comfortable. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Paul, for sharing your story and thoughts with us. We wish you and the Mill Romans all the best in these continuing challenging times and look forward to reporting your results in the future. Um, but before you go, how about a prediction for our away trip to QPR on Saturday? <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate your, your time this evening. Um, well, I mean, obviously, we're, we're very closely following Millwall results at the moment, and uh, I think we're, we're all quite confident that I think we're going to have a hat-trick of 1-0, so I'm going to say 1-0 one nil, one nil Millwall. Lovely stuff. Thanks again, Paul. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, but for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with that preview of our match at Optus Road on Saturday. Patricia Maslin here. The Millwall Community Trust needs volunteer help. Whether you're an organisation with bodies able to assist or an individual, the Trust needs you during the current conditions to support the vulnerable and needy. 
Current projects include providing 200 children each day with a hot and healthy meal as part of free sports and education camps over the summer and providing assistance to those that need continuing support at this time. If you can help make a difference or need help, please contact Sean Daly, the Trust's Chief Executive Officer, by phone on 07-958-027060. Once again, that's 07-958-027060. Or contact by email, sdaily, I'll spell that, S-D-A-L-Y, at millcommunity, all one word, dot org, dot UK. I'll repeat that. S-Daily, S-D-A-L-Y, at millcommunity, all one word, dot org, dot UK. If you can, or you know someone, or any organisation who might be able to help, please let the Community Trust know. Thank you. I'm James Kelly, and I'm back with the No One Likes Us talking team of Gary, Dave and Stan to preview our away game against QPR this Saturday. Mill will travel to Loftus Road on Saturday to take on, as you guessed it, Queen's Park Rangers. The Lions know that only a win will do to keep their playoff hopes alive, and will go into the game with full confidence after beating Blackburn Rovers 1-0 at the Den on Tuesday. QPR, on the other hand, became one of the first clubs to to mathematically secure their place in next season's championship after drawing one all against Luton Town on Tuesday at Kenilworth Road. So, guys, what are we saying regarding this one? Stan, what do do you think? Well, I'm confident if if our application is right, uh, then I think we can win the game. Uh, And I think that we... And, and I think we we need to put right the the uh, the home game from what we when we had at the beginning of the season. There, I mean, that wasn't a particularly good game at all. And uh, from our point of view, I'm not, and I don't mean just in terms of the result, but also the way we played that day. But no, I'm confident. What's what surprised me with QPR, I have to say, is I thought they'd be a lot further up the table than they've actually finished. That's what surprised me. But then. You know, that's their problem and not our. But, uh, no, I'm confident we can go and get the three points on Saturday. But the application has to be right. And, uh, you know, and we've got to start using that. When we get out on that field, we've got to start using our heads. Gary? Yeah, like you say, Stan, um, I was expecting more out of QPR, what with Mark Warburton being there. And I think next season, uh, with a fresh... uh, start for him and maybe one or two more players I think they're going to be a team to watch next season Warburton ain't no mug look what he done with uh, Brentford in the past um, so I can see him putting together a good team there uh, on to us um, I don't want to say it again but QPR are one of those sides where we go there we get our noses in front before and we 2 nil up and then Gregory got sent off for, for doing nothing literally and we went back to 2-2 and Oh, and then last season we lost, I think it was 2-1 we lost up there. and It's a frustrating place to go. Um, but with them having nothing on the game, they could have a load of kids out, um, giving them a bit of blood in. And we're going to be And hopefully, 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 
Um, if we can play like we did in the first half and get a couple of goals just to make it comfortable uh, in that first half, hopefully we can take it to the last game where, even if it's a draw against um, for Cardiff and Middlesbrough, it's the last game shootout and we can see if we can get there. And Dave? QPR. Uh, they're the only team that can still do the double over us this season. So it's always going to be a hard place to go to and come away with a result. But I'm confident that with the right starting formation, we can do it. OK, and Dave, what would your score prediction for that game be? I think we'll win 2-1. Love the confidence. Stan? Oh, I would say 2-0. To us, I hope. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There we go. And Gary? As I said, I'd like us to be confident. Uh, Mason Bennett playing so well. So, look, let's just stick something out there. 3-1. I'll say that, Well said, Guy. Well said indeed. People continue to lose their lives to this dreadful virus and many remain hospitalised too. Our thoughts and prayers go with their families, friends and those that care for them. Yeah, well, I concur with them views. And uh, I mean, hopefully, and I say it this way, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed and every, you know, touch wood and everything else you can do. uh, Hopefully we might have turned a corner now with this dreaded uh, pandemic. Uh, but nevertheless, we've got to, we, we have to maintain the high standards we have, and, and let's not slip up. We've come a long way, and I, you know, and hopefully we won't have to go for it a second time. So I wish everybody well, and next week we can look forward to Pat, George, and Ted back on the fu- uh, on the show. And good night from me. The second part of our interview special with Lions legend Les Briley was released on Tuesday and is available on our Millwall No One Likes Us talking site on Spreaker.com. Episode 3 focuses on Les Briley's departure from Millwall, his career that followed and where he is to this day, and it will be available next Tuesday morning. So don't miss any of them. Great stories from a great period of Millwall's rich history with a Millwall legend. And that's a good night from me, Dave. And don't forget, you can uh, use a pass or pay to tune into our audio service or the stream service to hear our very own one of one in a million, Carl Bates, on Millwall's iFollow channel this Saturday. Let's hope his little stopwatch doesn't make any uh, appearances this weekend as well. Make sure you can access your iFollow account well in advance to hear of view our game at QPR but for now that's good fight for me bye lastly let's not forget to keep safe on the streets out there which means social distancing and a face mask where necessary that's it from me James Kelly thanks Stan, Dave and Gary it's been a pleasure as always and until next time good night good night
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.